What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? What is this? Are you trying to trick me? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I've put together another best of episode. I do the best of episodes for a couple of reasons. Number one, sometimes the weeks are just so busy I've got so much going on. Sometimes the time demands are just so much I don't have the chance to put together a full episode for you. But I don't want to leave you without, so we pull a best of episode together. And number two, the best of episodes give me an opportunity to go back to some of my early episodes. Because, let's be honest, if you go back and listen to some of those original episodes, you can hear me still learning how to do this. For those who don't know, this is entirely self-produced. Well, between me and Mr. Agador, we put these episodes together ourselves. And I started basically trying to figure it out as I went along. They came out good. I don't mind those early episodes. But as time has gone on, I've learned how to do it better. So what I try to do is I go back to those early episodes and pull some of my favorite stories out of them and remaster them, take out some of the buzzes and some of the and some of the ticks and some of the noises that you make that you don't realize you're making when you're recording a podcast. And even when I do that, there's still stuff you can't fix just because of the way it was recorded the first time through. But I try. So that's one of the other reasons that I do the best of episodes. There's some stories that I told early on that I think are worth repeating. Some of the first stories that I told I really enjoyed telling, but I do really want to clean them up and bump them back to the front of the line, as it were. So this week, we've got another best of episode for you. If you haven't heard these stories, I hope you enjoy them. And if you heard them the first time around, I hope you enjoy the remastered version. Thanks for being here, and this is the best of story time. Radio has always been important to me, and it was important to me from a young age, and it's been important to me throughout my life because, as many of you know, I did work in radio for several years uh, before I chose a different path to go down in my career, but I've always enjoyed radio, I've always listened to radio, and I've always loved what happens in a radio broadcast, and there's so much you can do in a radio broadcast. What I never got to do in radio was the stuff that I'm doing with this podcast, which is just talk to you guys. I always had bits and I always had music to play and I always had weather forecasts to do. It was all very formatted and very strict as far as what I was able to do. What I aspired to do was what I heard as a child, which was talk radio, not the talk radio we have now with politics and ranting and people going off on each other and getting people to yell at each other. There was talk radio where you actually talked about things or people would tell stories. And one of the greatest storytellers for me was Gene Shepard. But I wanted to talk about radio in general because radio, to me, it's the theater of the mind. Now, I said in the pilot episode, we're not going to do any theater in this podcast. But you know what? The whole podcast is theater because when you're listening to me, you have an image of me. Now, many of you know what I look like from watching me on Twitch, but some of you have never seen me on Twitch, and so you only have an image of me based on my voice. And I remember the days in radio when you didn't have pictures of what the DJs looked like, so you would form an image in your head of what these guys looked like. And then you were so shocked and often disappointed when you actually saw their faces and go, oh my god, that's not what I thought he looked like at all. Jeez. But that's the power of your imagination coupled with the power of sound and the theater of the mind. 
Radio and podcasts can take you places based on who you're listening to, based on how well they tell a story, based on a lot of different factors, and it's an amazing medium to use. And I've always loved that you can play with people's imaginations, take them in different directions, and show them things that they might not otherwise see. Like what I look like, where I am, what I'm wearing. You have all these things in your mind right now, and that's part of the theater of the mind. You create the the stage upon which you're listening to this podcast, and that's an amazing little thing to me. And that's kind of what I want to do today, too, is to build something together. I know, it sounds difficult, right? How are we going to do that? We're, we're not in the same room. We don't have tools. We don't have wood. We don't need that. We've got the theater of the mind, and we've got my words and your imagination. So we're going to build our podcast studio today. And I need your help to do it because you need to be able to visualize where I am. So our podcast studio, it's an 8x10 room. And in back of me right now is a large plate glass window overlooking the New York skyline. Now, you've all seen the New York skyline, so you have an image of that in your head. Now, the plate glass is double-plated, so we're not getting any of that nasty city noise in here. But you can see the buildings over there to the left is the Chrysler Building, and just past that is the Empire State Building. And if we look downtown, we can actually see the Freedom Tower. It's all the way down at the end of, at the end of Manhattan Island. And when we look at our window to the left and to the right, we can see Brooklyn. We can see New Jersey. We can see for miles, because we're pretty high up in the building that the Botcast Studio is in. So you have that image in your mind. Now, that's what's in back of us as we're sitting here at the microphone. The desk that I'm sitting at, it's about six feet long. I have plenty of room here. I've got some papers here. You know, I have some notes so that I can keep track of what I want to talk about. Got some pens over here so I can keep track of things and write things down. And, uh, you know, it looks like a desk. But there's, you know, there's a computer screen over there so I can keep track of the time. It's over on the left. And it's a, it's a nice big timer because I have bad eyes so I can see the big numbers ticking as the time goes by and we see how long we're talking. And over on the right, there's a glass of water so that I can wet my whistle as I continue to talk and need a little moisture to keep the voice going. And then directly across from me, there's a great big double-paned window looking into the engineer's room. The engineer's room, you say? Why, yes, of course, the engineer's room. What good, self-respecting podcast wouldn't have an engineer's room? I can't do this by myself. I need an engineer. So we have to create our engineer. By the way, the glass is right there, you can tell, because I just tapped on it. So there's the glass. I can reach it from sitting right here at the desk. I just reach over and, and I get the engineer's attention. Yep, yep, he's waving. Yep, how you doing? How you doing? Now, anybody who's familiar with the stream knows there can only be one person to be the engineer, and that's Mr. Agador. Of course, Mr. Agador is our engineer. Now, I don't need to say anything more than that for a lot of you. You already have an image in your mind of what Mr. Agador looks like. Mr. Agador is a person to you because he runs the bots in the stream and he runs the raffles and he runs all of the bank heists and all of the arenas. That's Mr. Agador. And Mr. Agador can be very picky when people post things that he doesn't like and does things that he doesn't like. He'll time you out for 10 seconds, but he'll also reward you with chips and bits and all kinds of goodies. So you have an image of Mr. Agador and that image comes with a way he looks a way he sounds, a way he dresses. Well, we're going to add a little to Mr. Agador today because we're going to talk to Mr. Agador. Yes, we are actually going to talk to Mr. Agador. Mr. Agador. Yo, Mr. Agador. I, I, I know, I know. I need you to open your mic and say something just so the people know you're there. 
Mm, I don't get paid to talk. You don't get paid to do anything. Wait, what? What? Uh, we'll talk about it later. So there you have Mr. Agador. He now has a voice. We've created Mr. Agador and a voice to go with him. We can put that voice with the figure we've created in our minds. And next time we're in the stream together and you see Mr. Agador's name pop up, you're now going to associate a voice with Mr. Agador. It's amazing when you think about it. In our minds, we've created a person. And he's working behind the glass over there. And he's part of the podcast. Pretty cool, isn't it? Our kitchen phone was the centerpiece of our home. And I remember it. It was an almond-colored telephone. Almond is kind of a cream, off-white color. And that was the color you could choose from either almond or white. Ooh, almond or white. Ooh, the tough choice. That was it. That's all you could pick from. Eventually, they introduced, they called it avocado. It was a greenish telephone. And certain kitchens had this. You would get black phones to put on the other extensions in the house if you had other jacks. And yes, you actually had to pay for other jacks in your house. If you wanted more than one phone, you had the kitchen phone, which was usually the main phone. And then if you wanted a jack in the bedroom, which would run off the same phone number, you had to pay extra for it unless you had a crafty father. My dad figured out how to wire in jacks without going through the phone company. He also learned that you had to disable the telephone ringer on that phone. Otherwise, the phone company could pick it up. Don't ask me how he figured this out. I don't know. And I'm only going by what my dad told me because I said, why don't we turn the ringer on? He said, because the phone company will know we have an extension, so we don't want to pay for an extension. Yes, the phone companies charged you for having more than one phone on the line. So he would have two extensions wired in without ringers. So you always had to have the kitchen ringer up loud so you could hear it wherever you were in the house. But he had one in the master bedroom, and then he had one in the basement, because we had a basement, and if he was working down there, or if mom was doing the laundry down there, and you didn't want to sprint up a flight of stairs to get to the phone, you could pick up the phone on the extension or in the master bedroom. Now, this was great to have an extension in case you wanted to make a private phone call, uh, or if you wanted to talk quietly to a friend without having to sit in the middle of the kitchen while mom was making, making dinner, or down in the basement while dad was working on things, you could go into the master bedroom and use the extension in the master bedroom to talk to your friends, or to try to make that first call for that very first date, which was a whole episode that I won't talk about in this episode, but we'll save that for another episode. But yeah, you wanted the privacy. You didn't want to be making that call to either your friends or that potential girlfriend from the kitchen phone. You had to have have privacy. And I had a routine. When I was calling my friends or whoever I was talking to, I had a spot that I would sit on the floor next to the telephone stand in the master bedroom. And yes, there was a telephone stand in the master bedroom. It was actually my mother's bedside table, but it was set up like a telephone stand with a phone book in the top drawer, a notepad with all the numbers on it. And you would sit there quietly and you'd dial in your number and talk to your friends or talk to the potential girlfriend and do it behind closed doors. Hopefully, as long as mom didn't need to come in or dad came in for whatever they needed in the master bedroom, which was usually to check up to see what you were doing, but they never said that. They just wanted to see what you were doing and who you were talking to because they always had to know who you were talking to. Who are you calling? Where are you calling? That's not long distance, is it? And we were also taught never to take collect calls. As a kid, I had no idea what a collect call was, but I always knew never to take one. Collect calls, by the way, is if you were calling long distance at a payphone and you didn't have the money to make a telephone call, you could call up a number and ask the operator to make it a collect call. 
That meant the person that you were calling would pay for the call on their telephone bill rather than you have to come up with the money. That's how they got the money out of you one way or the other. You could make calls from a distance on a payphone, but somebody had to pay for it. And my dad never wanted to be paying for collect calls for anybody, for anything, for any reason, because there was no way he was going to pay the phone company's bills and the fees they charged for collect calls. You never did that. We also had something called person-to-person calls, so that if you wanted to call somebody and speak to a specific person, you could go through the operator and tell them, Hi, I'm Joe. I'm calling Sam at such and such a number, and I only want to talk to Sam. This is a person-to-person call. So the operator would then ring up the number that you gave her or him and ask for Sam at the other end of the phone. And if Sam was there, then you would get connected and there was an extra charge for a person-to-person call. But that way, you would not waste the money trying to find out if Sam was home. You would do a person-to-person call to speak directly to Sam only if he was there. Now, there was ways around this fee people figured out ways to convey little coded messages on a person-to-person call, so the message would get through without you ever having to pay for the telephone call. But that's a topic for another podcast. We can talk about all the little coded things we did to get away with things. But there were different kinds of calls, person-to-person and collect, and ship-to-shore calls were a thing. If somebody had a phone on a ship, there was a special operator you had to go through. Then, of course, there was the international calls, and you had to have special dialing instructions for those, and those would be even more expensive than you could even imagine to go from the United States to the UK, for instance, to make a telephone call to somebody you knew over there. And we had relatives in the UK when I was a kid, so there were occasional international calls, and oh my goodness, the bills for those calls, horrendous, and my dad would never stop ranting about those calls. Then somehow along the line, I discovered board games, and board games were fascinating to me for a number of reasons. Number one, there were so many different permutations of games. There was Monopoly, there was Stratego, there was Trouble, there was Parcheesi, and they were all different, and I loved them because there were different ways to win and different rule sets, and I was always interested in the rules, and how do you do this, and how do you make this happen, and how can you win this, and what happens if I do that, and what's the penalty if I do that? I was a rule book reader, and whenever we got a new game, everybody would just hand it to me and say, Gamer Dude, read the book, tell us how to play. And that was my job. And boy, I would devour that book, and I'd learn every nuance. I'd learn how to do this, I'd learn how to do that. For instance, the Monopoly rule book. If you read it, and I did many, many times, The rules specifically dictate how many houses and how many hotels you're supposed to have in the game. There are only 32 houses and 12 hotels in a Monopoly game. You can't add more. You can't pretend, okay, we'll use this token as a house. Once you used up all 32 houses, there were no more houses to be bought. So one of the strategies in Monopoly, I know I've thought about this way too much, right? But one of the strategies in Monopoly was to get as many houses as you could and control the house market. Thus the name of Monopoly. You had a monopoly on the houses. If you had enough properties where you could eat up a lot of the houses, you could prevent other people from buying houses. Now, not everybody read the rule book like I did, but I learned the rules, and this is how we taught Monopoly to everybody in our little clique of friends who would play Monopoly. And we learned, oh, 32 houses, 12 hotels, okay. And that's how you could prevent yourself from getting wiped out if you controlled the housing market. I know, right? I spent a lot of time reading rule books and learning nuances of games. But we played these games because there was nothing else to do. Now, again, these are the classic board games. We didn't have things like Catan. 
When I talk about card games, we're talking like a deck of 52 playing cards. We didn't have Magic. We didn't have Yu-Gi-Oh. We didn't have any of the games that are out there now that are probably variations of various card games, but expanded to the nth degree. We had four suits and 13 cards in each suit, and those are the games that we played. If you've ever heard of the Hoyle Book of Rules, Hoyle wrote all of the rules. I should rephrase that. I don't know if he wrote them, but he collected all of the rules for all of the card games. And there was a book that was about an inch thick with rules for every card game imaginable. And I read a lot of rules for a lot of card games because you get tired of playing Go Fish after a while. So then you'd learn Gin Rummy. Then you'd learn 500 Rummy. Then Canasta came into the mix. Canasta was a game that I mastered one year because my mother and I played a lot of Canasta. She was always looking for somebody to play cards with, and my dad was not a game player, and my mom liked games, and I loved games, so we would sit down and play Canasta, two-person Canasta, because she loved it, I loved it, and that's how I learned how to play Canasta. And we play Canasta to this day. I taught Mrs. Game Dude how to play Canasta, and she likes it, so we do play Canasta. It's a great card game. You don't hear a lot of people playing Canasta these days, but it's a very old, but a very good, interesting, strategic game. And that's one of the reasons that I liked it, and that's one of the reasons that we played it. We would play with our little group of friends. Now imagine this. Take yourself back in time. You have a bunch of 10-year-olds sitting around a card table in the basement at Gamer Dude Manor, and we are playing Canasta. How's that for a picture? Three 10-year-olds with Canasta hands trying to make Canastas and beat the crap out of each other by points. it's quite an image if you think about it. You don't see three 10-year-olds playing Canasta these days, that's for sure. So we played card games, we played board games. And the board games that I talk about today are the ones that you see on the shelves at Toys R Us in the vintage board game collection or classic board games. For us, these were new things. We had, I mean, Parcheesi is an old, old game, but they always repackage it every year. And this is the game where you have to have your tokens uh, starting from your little start point. You have to roll the dice and get them out onto the board and then work your way around the board to the center home space. And yes, I remember all of the rules because we played these games so obsessively. All of the strategies are still stuck in my head. I have plenty of room for strategies from games that I haven't played in a long time, and they just stay there. And I take up brain space for these these rules that I haven't used in ages. But as soon as I bring out a Parcheesi board, oh yeah, everything locks back in. So Parcheesi was one. Sorry was another one. Sorry was very much like Parcheesi. If you've ever seen the game Sorry and you look at a Parcheesi board, they're virtually the same game, same strategies. A couple of little nuances with Sorry where you can slide down several spots if you land on a certain square on the board. Um, But other than that, Sorry and Parcheesi are virtually the same game. Then, I remember when they introduced the game Trouble. Trouble is very much like Sorry and Parcheesi, but the big selling point on the game Trouble is they had the Pop-O-Matic. Ooh, that sounds impressive. What is a Pop-O-Matic? A Pop-O-Matic is a little, it's a, it's a half-circle globe in the middle of the board. I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. It's made of plastic, and it's set on a thin piece of metal that if you push down on the globe, it makes the metal pop. And on top of the metal is a, a die. And when you click the half-globe, the die pops, and that's your roll. So instead of having loose die, you would pop down on the popomatic and it would automatically roll the die for you. And then that would be your role for getting your pieces out onto the board and around the board to the home space. And again, trouble is like sorry and parcheesi in that it's just moving tokens around the outer edge of a board to get to the home space. And when we first got our first trouble game, 
which we got secondhand at an auction. The Pop-O-Matic was the selling point on that game. We loved the Pop-O-Matic. And we would just hit the Pop-O-Matic because we liked the sound it made. It was one of those sounds that was unique that you'd never heard in another game. It was really cool for us when we were 10 years old. Look at the Pop-O-Matic go. Yeah, simple things entertained us back in the day. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.